On the Lollygaggers podcast, we believe that change is good, which is why we always advocate keeping it in a pocket, a purse, what have you. In this comics-heavy episode, Justin explores Isola from Brendan Fletcher and Image Comics, while Jeff wonders what might have been with William Gibson's Alien 3 from Dark Horse and Johnny Christmas. The gentleman's challenge gets a little contentious when Justin heads to Neo Yokio, and Jeff's old man eyes fail him while reading fables. All right, welcome to episode number 34 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things, comics and games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the one, Justin. You okay? Did you just yeah. fall down? I'm good. I was falling down. It's not like you were falling. Oh, Justin. Like you were falling or like, ah. You know, something like that. Yeah. So, big news, Justin. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we are changing our format. I really hope you're what? aware of this because otherwise this is going to be really uh, difficult oh, for you. Nuts. Yeah, so we've been tinkering with the format of the podcast for a little bit. Uh, we've made a couple changes here and there about 20 episodes ago or so, but uh, we're going to do it again because I feel like our, our run times are getting a wee bit longer than we would like. Uh, so we're going to try to condense a bit. I'm not necessarily going to be doing a breakdown like every week. We will still do them sometimes, especially when there's something Justin and I want to talk about together. Uh, but we're going to we're keeping the gentleman's challenge because that's our favorite thing to do. And then we're going to do a little bit of our little opening segments where Justin can talk about what he's interested in and I'll, I can talk about what I'm interested in, et cetera. And then whenever we have a shared interest, uh, then we're going to do a breakdown. And so that's kind of the plan for now, kind of shorten the the episodes, get them down to, to under an hour, nice, clean, uh, like 45 minutes or so. And hopefully, hopefully this might also leave us some time to uh, to get that uh, actual play podcast that that is currently in planning. Actually, actually started planning and uh, writing out some stuff uh, the past I'm couple of days. About it. Yes. So I hope you joined our Google group that I sent you the invite to, uh, so that you can read uh, some uh, some character uh, creation guidelines, direction uh, to make it a little bit easier on us all. So I got an idea. By the way, I got to run by when we're done here. So I've I've heard bits and pieces of the idea. We're we're gonna workshop it. Okay. We're gonna workshop okay. a bit. Make some revisions. Okay. We'll talk about it though. We'll we'll, we'll make it work. Right. But anyway, let's get started with episode thirty-four. What do you got going for us, man? So I went out to my local comic book shop because I haven't been there in a long time. I used to like this place. I used to frequent all the time. There's a place called Comic Central in uh, Sanford, Florida. I used to go to a place called Acme Comics uh, over in Longwood, which was really really big. And then Comic Central opened up by the mall. And it's a really good small little spot. I've always enjoyed it. What I like best about their shop is that they're just so personable and easy to talk to. And I haven't been there, and I'd say like like frequently shop there in like a year or two, and they still remember me. Probably because I've dropped obscene amounts of money over my entire over the entire existence of that shop in that shop. It might also have something to do with your 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 very unique facial tattoo. So oh yeah, I got thug life over my uh <laughs> under my but under both of my eyes it's spelt wrong so it yeah. just looks like to hig life yeah, yeah it's like t-u-h-g it's, it's and it's a, with a, it's a y instead of an i so oh, anyway that's classy. that's classy but it was nice because like they're like hey justin what'd you want i'm like i didn't think you remember who i was thanks like it's that little stuff that makes me like the little comic book shop stuff you know you don't get that from comicsology were they like oh we thought you like lost a foot or something and that's why you haven't been coming <laughs> 
We thought your wife finally divorced you for the comics you bought here. So, anyways, we I went in there and um I was looking around, I was trying to find Mr. Miracle, which apparently doesn't come out for another in trade publication for another uh month or so. Because I wanna kind of talk about a uh fantastical character, because I usually never do. We usually do a lot of like indie comics and stuff like that. But I want to talk about this because it's it's done by Dan Slot and apparently it's fantastic. So instead they kind of pointed me towards the direction of a Somewhat independent comic called Isola. It's uh, made by Image. And um, it is written by uh, Brendan uh, Vladimir. This is the best part of this podcast. And it's the art's by Carl uh, Kershaw. The best part is when you do the, the lip smacking right before you try to pronounce somebody's name. And then the lip slapping afterwards. So it's like, oh, great. Can't wait for editing. This is going to be great. It's going to be real bad. Uh, basically, the idea this is, is uh, this is what it says on the back it says an evil spell has has been cast on Queen of Mar, and her captain of the guard will do anything to reser- to reverse it. Their only hope lies on an island half a world away, a place known in myth as Isola, Land of the Dead, a lavish new fantasy series from acclaimed storytellers Brennan Fletcher, New York Times bestselling author of Batgirl of Burnside, and Carl Kershaw, Eisner Award winning artist of Gotham Academy and the abominable Charles Christopher. So the idea of the story is there is kind of, it kind of starts off with these two people in the forest. It's a Royal guardsman. It's a woman named uh, Rook. She's basically traveling around with a tiger, like a blue and uh, light blue tiger. And she keeps on calling it her majesty. And so basically the idea is she was the leader of the Royal King's guard. And for some reason, while on her watch, the queen uh, turned into a tiger somehow, magically. And now she's basically going around uh, the forest trying to find this place to try and cure her. Uh, the, the queen's brother was killed, and they basically there was an overthrow of the castle, and now they're kind of on the run. While they're on the run, they're being like pursued by hunters because the tiger she is is very special looking it will go very high on the market and soon they do figure out that it is the queen um it's a very strange world it takes a lot of building it's a little bit chunkily put together because they throw a lot of strange things at you right away and there's a lot of like deciphering of stuff that's going on it's clearly going to take time to understand um but they're doing a decent job of creating that world even though it's like they say within about three comics about 25 things i don't understand because they're not of our world but as time goes by you start fitting the pieces together better and you start understanding it more and it makes more sense so basically the whole story is she's trying to find a cure for her queen and also get to the bottom of what happened at the uh castle when things were overthrown there's a lot of reveals i don't want to get into because it kind of is integral to the story but one thing i can say about this book is the art by Carl Kershaw is astounding. Absolutely love it. It's probably some of the best art I've seen in a long time. Um, the colors just absolutely pop. The design of the characters is so crisp and clean. It reminds me of uh, Joe, Joe Mad, who's one of my favorite artists of all time, but not as extreme. Um, there's moments of just drastic color change and environment change that just makes it look just beautiful. And I, I love it. There's these moments of like uh, 
glowy psychedelic parts and it just pops off the page some of the best art i've seen in a very 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 long time um i really really enjoy this read mostly because i think the art's fantastic but it's also building a really really cool storyline i don't know why but i'm getting like a like a princess mononoke vibe just looking at the yeah pics, you know what i mean I, I i don't know if it's anything I mean, for some reason yeah and like it's got this weird feel like that and it's it's it has a lot to do with like obviously since the since the queen is a tiger now it's a lot to do with shape shifting and and druidism and weird stuff like that but it's it's set kind of in a world where it as it develops it's making more and more sense but it's just the colors and the art in this really just stand out to me but it really does remind me of joe mad but joe mad tends to get in this thing where all of his characters look like cats um like even like Captain America with a beard or Thor with a beard looks like a cat man somehow. I don't know how he does it sometimes. It's weird. But like this is just, it's truly beautiful. I, it's some of my favorite art I've seen in a long time. So there's like people with like bear heads and it's really neat looking and people with like bird arms and it's just kind of like these weird transformations. It's a really, really cool uh, uh, read. So I highly suggest it. It's, it's not very... Uh, huge i would say um the, i've only read the first chapter i don't know how many chapters are out yet um i just picked it up uh, at the shop today i didn't really look too deep into the extra stuff of it but man it's it's really surprising i really really like it. i'm gonna keep reading it mostly because the art is just nuts looks like there's like volume one which is you can get up on comiXology for 6.99 right now yeah, that's what uh, i have right now. And then there's issue, I guess, issue six. So I guess maybe they're working on a volume two. So it's still going, maybe. So I guess I've only read five because this first one's the first five volumes, I believe. I'm really digging the the issue cover art. Like it's it's uh, the very stark yeah, there's, colors. There's stuff like that. And then like when you get into it, like it'll hard shift into these different things. And it's just nuts. And I really, really love it because there's a moment where it goes like this, you know, the the, the, the cover art has like these lights beaming through the trees right but then inside you have these really deep purples and really bright reds and it's just really really cool how it just kind of shifts between these things so. i'm looking at the issue ones like like the the cover out for the volume is a little different that's like more full like there's there's kind of like a almost like a binary color scheme going on in the other ones where it's just like there's a blue tiger and oh yeah yeah like orange woman white background i really just like it it's like a cool like aesthetic uh it's not you know the most realistic thing but i just like yeah i see you mean. how it's working yeah there's there's alternate covers too they show on the back all the alternate covers like that's that's basically what the tiger looks like um but yeah like it's very binary how they're like you said like, like they're doing like that but like i i'm just astounded by the overall art it's just it's super pleasing to read um and what i like about it too is it's not heavy dialogue and I know that to some people that translates to, I don't have to read, right? Which is part of it. That's that's pretty much what I thought you just said, yeah. No, no. What I'm really saying is it shows a lot of story through the art. And I love that being able to, because like a big problem they had like in the 70s and 60s was like, let's write everything that we're doing. Like Cyclops says, I'm going to hit them with my pulse beams and knock them off the ledge. Like they'd explain everything. While he's doing it. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. They've in the past like 20 years or so, they've really done a good job of telling story through the art. 
uh, Marvel had a thing called Enough Said not too long ago. Where they had entire comics that were done without a single bit of dialogue. And it was a really, really cool event that they had. But like this really has a limited amount of script to it. But so much is shown and said within the limited uh, dialogue, which I really, really like because it just it proves the power of the art and the motion within the art that they're doing. So it's Isola. It's the Image Comics. You can pick it up at your local comic store, which I did today. Or like Jeff said, you can do it at Comixology. Um, pick that up. I think it's really, really good. So support your independent producers through Image Comics. So yeah, that's that's me. So All right. Well, we have a comic-heavy episode, actually, because I, too, have a comic I would like to talk about, which is nothing like the one that Justin just talked oh, about. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to talk about William Gibson's Alien 3, issue number one. This is by Dark Horse. Uh, it's written by Johnny Christmas and by William Gibson himself. I'm a big William Gibson fan. Neuromancer was, like, one of my favorite, movie, uh, favorite movies, one of my favorite books uh, when I was a teen uh, and then into college. Uh, it's got art by Johnny Christmas, and then it's got colored. Uh, it's colored by Tamra, and I love this last name, Bond villain. Like her last name is Bond villain, B O N villain. <laughs> like that's a. Like, I'm sure she probably hates it, but like I just find that amazing. Uh, there's no D, but it's still. I still think it's pronounced Bond villain. That's what it says. Um, but anyway, uh, so if you don't really know the history behind this. Uh, this just released a couple uh, months ago, or no, actually, no, a couple days ago. What am I talking about? This is not Dust by Dust of Dust. Uh, this is uh, William Gibson's version. So this is this just re- released a couple days ago. Um, but William Gibson was originally contracted, or at least contacted, early or late '80s, around '87, '88 or so, to write the screenplay for Alien Three. This was after Aliens, which is the second in the franchise, uh, came out and had a lot of success, and so. Uh, they want like some people wanted him to actually write it. And so because he was they wanted to kind of get his cyberpunkian theme in it sort of because that's what William Gibson was sort of known for uh, or a lot of people associated with because of Nora Mancer and a lot of his other work, works. And so they wanted him to write it. And he did. Uh, but there was like a, a looming um, Writers Guild of America strike. And so they, he turned it around pretty fast, but then they didn't ultimately really like it. And it was a little bit different than the Alien 3 movie that we now know, where uh, where Newt and Hicks are dead at the beginning of Alien 3, and then uh, Ripley is on, a, on the prison planet, and then she ultimately, like, there's a swan dive into the into the molten lava area of the prison. Such a compound. beautiful image. So beautiful. And she's just like, oh. Sure. Oh yeah. Uh, so this one was totally different. And so this comic is actually based on the screenplay. Um, so that's why I think that's why William Gibson has the well, the writing credit, obviously. Uh, and so from what I've known, uh, from what I know about the screenplay, uh, the so far this first issue is pretty consistent with like that particular story. So if I were to kind of explain it, a lot of a lot of a lot of times when I've read about this particular um, this particular iteration of Alien Three, they've referred to it as kind of a Cold War thriller. And like in in the official description on Dark Horse Comics page and on Comicsologies. Uh, landing landing page for this comic. They still talk about that, the idea of Cold War thriller, the idea of kind of these two massive powers that aren't in direct conflict with one another, at least not open conflict, uh, but are instead doing things to undermine. Uh, and this makes sense considering that this is a 1980s type story, right? This is, this is where it kind of derived from. Um, so imagine the theatrical Alien 3 that we know doesn't exist and instead this is the story you're getting. So the comic begins with... Um, 
Ripley, Newt, uh, Hicks, they're still in stasis aboard the Solico. So if you remember at the end of Aliens, um, the three of them and Bishop, uh, the android, were escaping from LV-426 because uh, they're the only survivors and they kind of went into stasis and then and off we went. Um, Hicks was really injured. Uh, Newt was the little girl that they had found uh, on the outpost. And then at the start of the theatrical, like bad stuff happened. Well, at the start of this one, it's a little different um, because as the Celical is sort of drifting in this comic, it drifts into this um, this part of space that's controlled by a particular faction called the Union of Progressive Peoples, or the UPP. And it's temporarily drifted there, um, possibly because it was directed there intentionally. And then it drifts back into the space that we're kind of familiar with, uh, like the with his sort of like Wayland yutani controlled area. And eventually um, it makes it to a, a specific location. But um, for the time while it was in the Union of Progressive People's space, uh, one of the, some of their people went and actually accessed the silicon. They got onto it because they wanted to, to see what it was about. And so as the crew like hop onto the ship, um, they find part of Bishop's body and so they take part of him, but then they also find a face hugger and obviously somebody gets face hugged, but then they get the heck out of Dodge. Then the ship itself moves to Anchor Point Station, which is one of the kind of primary location points for this particular um, iteration of the Alien 3 uh, story. Uh, and then like there's a there's these like military science folks from Wayland Utani that are there that are trying to convince the commander of like the anchor point station to comply with this sort of corporate demand to to sweep the Sullicos because they're trying to kind of get in there and and get whatever they need from it. And there's sort of a explanation, but they're they're kind of like as they're explaining it, they're being very elusive in what's actually going on. Um, and so in this first issue really covers the UPP. Uh, actually going aboard first, but then the ship actually reaching Anchor Point Station when the Wayland Utani folks and the and the people at Anchor Point Station, some of the people that you meet, like they're kind of setting up some early characters, and then it ends really interestingly uh, with like the, the them waking up uh, Ripley from stasis, get, you know, looking at Newt because they're all alive, which is a major difference from the actual theatrical movie, like Hicks and Newt. And, uh, and Ripley are all alive, but Ripley like freaks out when they try to like go towards Newt. And so they have to like inject her with like a, some sort of, some sort of drug to calm her down. And she's sort of like in a coma or something like that, because what the intention was for alien three, the movie by Gibson was that, um, Hicks was actually going to be the star. Like that was kind of the idea is that he was going to kind of take over and Ripley was just going to be sort of a side character. Um, and so, I think that's what they're probably going to do in this issue because the end of the issue one has like Hicks awake smoking. He's got a scar on his face from uh, when he took the acid damage from uh, uh, from aliens. So it's kind of interesting. I'm so sort of curious how consistent they're going to be uh, with the story so far. So I don't know. I, I love the alien. I love the alien world. I like everything about this kind of from alien and aliens. Like those were two of my favorite movies of all time. And I even like the theatrical alien three though. I think there are certain cuts on the interwebs that are far better uh, than the theatrical version. One of the things I really liked about this idea that Gibson put forward in a screenplay and that they're kind of exploring now in the comic is that they're filling out the details of the universe. Because if you really think about it, we, we get very little of the universe that the alien movies are set in. And I'm not even talking about the AVP stuff. Like, let's just put that aside for now. But we get the the Wayland-Yutani, that kind of looming corporate entity that is in some way 
like mysterious and evil, right? But we we know very little about it. We know very little about how it works, the different organizations, different peoples. There's a couple scenes here and there where we see Ripley kind of at home in this, uh, you know, like what, not actually on the mission yet, but we never really explored it in any great depth. And then when you think about Aliens 3, like, or Alien 3, like it was a very close movie. Like it was all within this like prison compound. And then you think about Alien Resurrection and it's like, well, that one flash forward into the future. And you think of the AVP movies and the AVP movies are also sort of silly. So I'm hoping that this particular comic is going to flesh out some of like the alien universe where some of these stories takes place because I've always been really fascinated by it. And maybe it's because like they don't really go into too much depth because these are such horror, like they're more like horror movies where we're really just occur like worrying about like the moment, like what's going on right now in this current story and don't try to blow it up too big after that. But I ha I've, I've always been really curious. So I'm interested in how this like Cold War thing is going to go on between like the UPP and like the Weyland yutani corporate type leadership and seeing where it's going to go from there. Um, the second issue, I don't know the length of how many issues are going to be in this, but the second issue comes out in just a couple weeks. It's going to come out, I think, December, December 12th, I believe. Um, so this first one's about 25 pages. Art's pretty solid. I don't think it's anything like amazing, but I think it gets the yeah, job it's done. Not, it's not terribly unique, but the covers are are pretty cool looking. The cover's amazing. Uh, so the cover art is like this distant and like very silhouetted and central uh, egg, like face hugger egg in the process of coming open and you see a face hugger crawling out. And it's really creepy and interesting and harkens back to what I think, you know, the, the original kind of pictures of those eggs, like way back in the original movies. So it's really nice. And it also doesn't do that stupid thing that alien, the theatrical thing that was like turn the EO around or something like that to make the three. So that's also nice too. Do you think it would, it's going to detach from the th series if they do focus on Hicks and take away from Ripley? Do you think that'll make it different or so worse? I've always found that to be a kind of a really interesting um, decision that they're making because I love Ripley. And I think Ripley is an interesting character because in the, in the 80s, if you think about it, it was a female female lead and one, and she was a, she was an ass kicker, you know, and originally in the first movie, she, you she's kind of like a damsel in distress in the first, movie. a little bit, but like she, she, like in aliens, like she became an ass kicker and then even yeah, yeah, more yeah. so in the ones that followed. So it kind of makes me sad a little bit that that's the potential, but I, I hope maybe in the comic, they take a little bit more balance to it. Cause I have no problem with Hicks, you know, be, becoming more relevant. I always felt like just killing him at the start of alien three and knew it was just sort of like, well, that's great. Geez. Thanks. You know, just, just so quick and easy. Like, like we, it happened off screen or whatever, you know? Um, so I always felt that was kind of a cop out in a way. So it would be nice to see that, like more balance there. Cause I, I don't think you can, I think you can have them work together, you know, or you can have them both be relevant in some fashion. So, um, but Ripley is one of my favorite movie characters of all time, especially the Ripley from aliens forward as she became more and more, you know, uh, more and more like like an ass kicker. So I think it's also a little strange that Bishop looks like the guy who's Bishop, but the guy who's Hicks doesn't look like Hicks at all. Do you think it's a? I think a he does thing? a little bit. No, I think he does look like him a little bit. It's just I just think Lance Henriksen just has a very distinct looking face, and so it's a yeah. lot easier to draw him. That's all. Have, have they showed Ripley yet? Does it look like Sigourney Weaver? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's got it, it, it. Yeah, it looks like her for the most part. So right. it, it looks interesting. And the next cover looks really cool, too. It's like a stark milk white because of Bishop's blood. It's really interesting. looking. Yeah, it's the same sort of very sense. Like it's a central 
image on like a very stark background, except this one's a, it's a lighter colored. So if you're familiar with like androids, they basically look like fettuccine Alfredo when they're ripped in half because all their innards look delicious. like delicious. Oh, so, so delicious. And so, it's what it always, I never got grossed out by it. Cause I always thought like, Oh, it's like fettuccine Alfredo. It's, cheesy. it's wonderful. Oh my. Uh, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Next one does that. Yeah, verifying it here. It's December 12th, uh, 2018. Uh, I, again, I don't know the plan. It looks like they have at least three plans, so we'll see how far it goes. Like, I'm like the the early art that they have for the third one is basically looks like a xenomorph is headbutting like a television screen or something. Yeah, it doesn't look as good as the other one. I don't know what that's about. Like a television screen. It's, I don't know. It's breaking the fourth wall. But uh, anyway, that's William Gibson's Alien Three. I, I, I'm not saying that to be a, a smart like that's literally what it's called, William Gibson's Alien Three. So if you're searching for it on Comicsology or Dark Horse Comics, you can get the the first issue for three ninety nine. Uh, that's the actual whole name. So there right. you go. And with that, Justin and I are going to go ahead and uh, do some challenge stuff now. We're again, already we're this is down. so quick. We're already going to so challenge each other. I'm not ready to fight you yet. And now. It's time for the gentleman's challenge. So the gentleman's challenge is a segment we still do on the Lolly Geigers podcast, uh, where Justin and I like to give each other a little homework assignment. Uh, we force each other to maybe watch a movie, play a game, read a comic, something like that. And then to ensure that we did our homework, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it. Sometimes these challenges are meant to drive the other person crazy, and sometimes they're just meant to reward them with something cool and interesting that we want to talk about on the podcast. But either way, they are heavy. This is a heavy spoiler segment, so we don't hold hold back any any secrets or any punches or any plot lines. So if you don't want to be spoiled about the various topics that we cover here, it's best to wait and come back after you've uh, experienced whatever movie or comic or game that we're talking about. And on that note, Justin, uh, you want to start us off? Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm good with starting off. The one you challenged me with is a gem on uh, Netflix. Yeah, it's uh, I'd say it's a diamond in the rough, but it's not even in the rough. It's just a shining, brilliant diamond. Uh, it's called Neo Yokio. Um, I think this came out last year. I'm pretty sure uh, 2017. Yeah. Only one season on Netflix. It's a Netflix-produced uh, anime. Uh, it is created by Ezra Cohen. It stars some heavy hitters. Uh, most of all, Jaden Smith is Kaz yeah, Khan. There's a name a little bit more important than him. I yeah, think. Jude Law plays his robot butler, his mecha butler. Uh, you also have uh, Susan Sarandon plays Aunt Agatha. There you go. I love Susan Sarandon. You know, Susan Sarandon was in Bull Durham, which is the namesake for our yeah. podcast. So. Yeah. Shout out to Susan Sarandon, avid listener of the podcast. <laughs> uh, Jason Schwartzman plays Archangelo Corelli. And, Were you in the uh, shit, Justin? You in the huh? shit? Were you in the shit? No. You don't, even, you don't know the reference, do you? Where's oh, that from? Boy. Where's that from? Just go back. Just go back to your hole. What is that from? I'm not going to tell you now. I'm just going to stick my head for a while now. Uh, so it's from, uh, it's from Rushmore. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. So uh, that is uh, Neo Yokio. The uh, idea of the show, the number one most eligible bachelor of Neo Yokio, which is the which is like an amalgam of Japan and 
New York, I guess, in like an alternate timeline or something. It's very strange. It's like sorta. It's not. It's not an amalgamation of the two. It it literally tells you in the beginning of the of the first like, episode. It's like New York, but it's it is New York, happens. but it's in an alternate timeline. Yeah. So it's like a mega metropolis of like the big who's a what's of everything out there. So uh uh Jaden Smith's character's Kaz Kazan or Kaz Khan is the number one most eligible bachelor. And he also fights demons because there's like a race of people that throughout time they would basically banish evil spirits or do the biddings of others and they've basically been brought into this highfalutin world so they can be considered equals but also deal with the garbage that the other people don't want to deal with so not only is he a highfalutin kid but he's also like a demon hunter uh he is insufferably awful to listen to here's the thing i think it's supposed to be a, a satire which i'm sure it is it, it is a satire however is it it's it does it so poorly it just comes off as the douchiest tv show i've ever seen in my entire life they miss the mark with whether like yeah robot butler that's a mech and they all care about their high flute nature of their lives and and uh being stylish and their own brand and stuff but like at a certain point it's like you're missing the you're missing the timing somehow because boy do i hate everything about this show it is the worst it is is, but it is but it doesn't hit it right you know what i mean like it just doesn't it doesn't feel good how they're sure sure it's it's terrible um jaden smith is a terrible actor when it comes to voice acting he is bottom of the line in all these people susan sarandon's fantastic drew law does a great job just as a robot butler jason Swartman, eh, no, no, I, let's not go crazy with giving i understand law. you hate him but i thought he was fine as a robot butler. i just don't feel like we should become a podcast that's known for complimenting him that's that's all i'm saying <laughs> jason Swartman is great he plays a real good douchebag um but like it's that method acting really working out for him. Yeah. Jaden Smith is terrible. It looks like he's, it feels like he's just reading it straight from the page and not even putting any inflection on it. It's terrible. The art design's not good. It just looks like cheap, uh, like uh, speed racer. The action is not interesting or fun at all. The music is meh. And the overall storyline is, Life's hard being the richest and the coolest, and my brand is the most important thing. It's it's honestly because of who it's coming from and how it is, it feels like it's just Jaden Smith actually talking about how cool his own life is that he wishes he was a demon hunter too. It's the worst. I can't take it. Uh, I have a friend who likes this too, and now it's making me second guess our friendship because I'd never seen what this was. All I knew is he was putting on like snap or as uh, Instagram stories and stuff. He'd put this guy's face all the time as uh, Kaz guy. Now that I see what it is a reference to, I don't know how I feel about my friend anymore because this is just the worst thing I've ever watched. Um, I hate it. And I hate long Lee for giving you this information. So yeah, I asked long Lee, like, can you tell me like a really awful anime that I could give to Justin to punish him for giving me 
like animes all the time that honestly i shouldn't have probably done this after sword art online because i kind of like sword art online but uh <laughs> just say like, something else yeah i know but like i i did actually give you this one instead of his original uh suggestion because this one did look a little better than the other one and i didn't think it was like that big a punishment and i did see that it had a fairly decent cast i'm like oh so maybe it'll actually be good and the it, people that are decent are decent but jaden smith is the worst yeah. person ever I don't want to say the worst person in in the show because he is in a show with Jude Law. So it's like, listen, Jude Law does fine. All right. He's handsome. I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree. He's a robot. He's, I don't, he's pulling off a, a skinny hairline for years. Perfectly fine. The guy's doing great. Oh, I thought we were talking about his character. Uh, I think the robot has a bit of a skinny hairline too, but yeah. Anyways, it's, yeah, it's receded pretty considerably. It's garbage and I hate it and I hate Long Lee now. So. You've made yourself a, a mortal enemy, Longley. Hope you're ready to die. <laughs> okay. Are you ready for your quiz, Mr. Yeah, Crabbaby? Yeah, super excited about it. You know, the, whole time I I was just, uh, this, the whole time I was watching this thing, I kept on putting my mouse over the the show just to see how much time was left. I'm like, 13 minutes? And I was like, <laughs> 9 minutes? <laughs> 7 yeah, minutes? I know that feeling. I know that it's the feeling. longest time ever. So I uh, I was just looking at the Wikipedia page for Neo Yokio, and apparently that there was there's a Christmas special planned for December seventh, twenty eighteen, called Neo Yokio Pink Christmas. Oh yeah! I have already figured out one of my December <laughs> challenges for you. Oh, it's gonna be so good! Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait! All right. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Question number one. So in episode one, uh, Kaz saves Helena, who is a premier fashion blogger who has uh, put on a, uh, a some sort of outfit that has been possessed by a demon. And so she is trapped in a bubble in her apartment underneath the water or uh, something, something. Are you people anyway, hearing this? Are you people hearing this? Ide- these ideas? Brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, so, like, um, so basically, Kaz goes into a room into her room, which is on the second floor of her home. And again, that's completely submerged underwater, completely of the, or like a massive sea, you know, I thought like, 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 like the, the sea levels have risen or something. And there's like a whole neighborhood under, underwater. So after Cass saves Helena, uh, part of doing so, like it bursts the bubble and then it breaks their roof. And then the room fills up with water and it's just like constantly flooding. And then they bust through the door of her room and start going down the stairs. Where did the water go? And why didn't it keep fill, filling up the house? Like that's that's my question. Oh, that's your question. Okay, um, it went out the window like the script did, and whoever created this sold it. But out the window is more water. So if you open the window, more water should come inside. That's just not the way physics works, man. This shows the worst. Like, it's like the amount of water that came in the room was like three buckets worth. Even no, though. there was a decent amount at a certain point because, like, she, like, like, he had to like dive down and reach out and grab her by the ankle and just like pull her up. So at one point, it, the room was considerably filled, but that just compounds the problem. Like at some point, it just stopped. Water stopped coming in. It just <laughs> made no sense. Anyway, I'm not going to give you any credit for that because you didn't come up with an interesting answer, and I'm still mad about it. Question <laughs> number two. What victory music did Kaz want Charles to play after they won their field hockey game? Victory music. Yes. Uh, it was 
Oh boy, it was a classical song, but it was not in the normal uh, uh, minor. It was or major. It, I don't know what it was though. It was like some type of concerto, but it was in the. It, he said in A minor. He says no, like uh, G minor or something like that. I gotta get like half credit for this. Give me half. Credit. Okay, you're you're certainly on the right track, but your answer is incorrect. It was Vivaldi's concerto in E flat major. Okay, so I get half I credit. Can't, I can't give you half credit for this. Because you didn't mention Evaldi. I said concerto. The fact that you I said the word concerto. You didn't mention Vivaldi, and you kept saying minor. You didn't say anything about major. I didn't, say you, didn't, I didn't say, say. you said minor. You said minor, not major. And you didn't say anything about the key of E. You mentioned all sorts of other keys. I didn't say key. Vivaldi because this is a family show, and I'm, so, I don't think it would be proper I'll to say give those you words. Point two five for getting concerto. It's something. The fact that I said the word concerto, it should be enough. And Vivaldi, family show. I'm not allowed to it's say that. Really, it's, it's really not enough. And it's not really a family show. You had like a one-minute fart earlier in this episode. <laughs> it wasn't a minute. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Yes, it uh, was. Okay. Question number three. Uh-huh. Where is Sailor Pellegrino from? Now, in episode two, uh, he meets Sailor Pellegrino, who is, sings the national anthem at a New York Knickerbockers uh, basketball game. And uh, he starts uh, kind of hanging out with her a little bit. Um, and they go to a, a white and black ball together. Um, so where did Sailor Pellegrino say that she was from? Now, she's got a southern accent. I can't remember where she was from. I want to get a shot in the dark here. All right. So okay. gonna, uh, I'll say... Tennessee. That is absolutely incorrect. <laughs> I like couldn't She is from North Kakalaka. I tried. You know, as there's there's like eight states I could have gone with. No, right. no, literally, it's North Kakalaka. Yeah. Kakalaka? It was not Kalaka. Carolina. It's North Kakalaka. That's what she says. I don't even oh remember. She just had a, a southern accent, and her name was Sailor something, and they had tuxedo mask. Sailor stuff, Pellegrino. I and it made me want to punch something. Anyways. Okay. Question number four. What is stolen from the black and white ball? It's the... Uh, it's the diamond skull made of it's platinum and diamond, but I forget the actual name. Mm, of it. You're missing the most important part. It's a Damien Hurst skull. Well, I should get half Hurst credit. Skull. No, I, you shouldn't get. You didn't get. I told skull. you what the item was. You said a skull. I'll give you 0.25. No way. I told you what it was made up of. You didn't. Did you say Damien? Did you say Damien? I said it's made I'm of. Sorry. Did you say diamonds? Damien? Did you say Hurst? I didn't hear Hurst. If you would have said Patty Hurst, I would have given you partial credit. Wrong person. This is getting ridiculous, if you ask me. Point. 0.33%. Ridiculous. 0.33. One third. I'll go with that. Okay. (laughs) Can I get the line on top of the three, too? You have currently a 0.58 out of four. All right. Coming to question number five. This is from episode three. Uh-huh. What kind of martinis was everyone drinking? The Prese martinis. That is correct. See? See, this is what it's called getting an answer correct, Justin. It's by so saying weird. the correct thing. So, so weird. strange. 
So you earned a 1.58. For, for bonus points, they're running out of mozzarella balls. Bonus points. Yeah, it, but that's not what they were called. Oh, I'm going to take points away. No, 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 no. He didn't actually call them mozzarella balls. They had a clever name for it, and it wasn't mozzarella balls. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and take off point eight and you're yeah. going to get point. Excuse me. Point zero eight. And we're just going to give you one and a half out of five. No, no. There we go. One point five out of five. I earned that. Point. Is there anything else you want to say about Neo Yokio? No, we move no. On? I don't want to lose any more points. I'm done. OK. Justin assigned me. Shows garbage. And I hate I hate you for it. whatever. I don't I don't I don't really care. Uh, so. Justin assigned me Fables, Volume 1, Legends. Wonderful present. Wonderful present. Absolutely. Uh, So Fables is a comic. It's written by Bill Willingham, and it's got art by Lan Medina, uh, and it's put out by Vertigo Comics. It came out a while back, actually, back in, I want to say 2013. So it's about five years old at this point. At least that's when the digital release. I'm not sure if uh, the physical version came out first. Uh, volume one collects issues one to five, and it tells the story that's relatively similar in some respects to The Wolf Among Us. So if you've ever played the Telltale video game, uh, The Wolf Among Us, there's a, there's a lot of similarities, but ultimately the story is is much different. Um, I would say it's got a lot of the same people and it has some of the same locations and the people look the same and there's kind of a central mystery, etc. But it's not actually the same as the tell so it's kind of surprising to me um a wolf among us is actually one of my favorite video games of all time it's it's my favorite telltale game um so this sort of gave me some sadness because it made me think about oh we're never going to get wolf among us too but whatever um but anyway so fables if you're unfamiliar with it fables has to do with the idea that um all of our what the, the types of fairy tale characters that we're familiar with from like the big bad wolf to snow white uh, to Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, to uh, uh, to Bluebeard, the pirate guy. You know, all these these particular characters um, have were kind of run out of their home, like they were run away from like their universe uh, by the quote adversary uh, with a capital A, um, who conquered their fabled lands, and one like one by one they did, and the fables wouldn't unite and they just kept kind of waiting and seeing oh well you know it's okay they only took out those people and it's like oh well that's all right they only took out those people and by the time they decided to work together it was too late and so they escaped to come to new york in our world and so that's where we pick up the story like that's where where the this whole comic starts um and so they live within a town or a society called fable town um and and it's in new york and it's in like the Upper West Side, I think, um, of Manhattan. And the one, two of the main characters, I would say, and this is consistent with the Telltale Wolf Among Us game, are the Big Bag Wolf, so Big B, and then also Snow White, who they just call Snow. Um, she is the unofficial leader of this particular community. Um, the mayor is uh, King Cole, but he's more of like the front person, and he's just kind of there for public relations, whereas Snow is kind of, uh, she's she's the person who really gets things done. So she's like lieutenant governor type of speak, but she's done, doing all the work. Whereas Bigby's the sheriff and he's reformed. So even though he's the big bag wolf of lore and, you know, he attacked like the three little pigs and stuff like that and, uh, and you know, blew down all, all the straws um, of, of one of the pigs house. Like he's a better person now. 
Um, and he at, you know, has, has, is like the, the poster boy for reform. So the whole volume revolves around an investigation into what appears to be the murder uh, of, is it, I think it's a Ruby red or Rose red um, who is uh, snow white's sister uh, who they've been estranged for some time because uh, snow white used to be married to Prince charming. Who's kind of a jerk, uh, but her sister uh, had an affair with him. And so they split up. Um, so, her sister goes missing and it's reported by Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk lore and Bigby begins the investigation and it goes over to the sister's apartment and the apartment is just sort of covered in blood. And there's like no way they learn after some forensic investigation, like super CSI work, like, like was it Grissom from CSI would be really proud. Uh, they learn that there's just too much, too much blood is in this apartment for the person to have lived, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's kind of a weird investigation because certain things don't add up um he suspects jack kind of sorta and then at certain point he suspects bluebeard um it's revealed that about a year ago bluebeard and um uh and red um they um they get engaged and there's like a uh some kind of I, I can't remember like engagement agreement where she's paid like a pretty big dowry, um, but they have to keep it like secret for a year. And so that information gets out to Bigby and snow. And so they start thinking maybe Bluebeard did it or, or maybe Jack did it. And all throughout the time, there's like some other small storylines going on. Cause there's Prince charming who's back, but um, he's trying to get some money because he's sort of poor and he's trying to sell off his lands back in their, in their lands of lore and he's trying to sell his title and stuff like that to get his get money back in the real world. And then periodically you see the straw pig. So from the three little pigs, he starts popping in from the farm every now and then the farm is like upstate New York. where all like the non, the, the, the legendary creatures that can't pass as human have to go and live. And it's all leading up to this really big party. Um, this sort of reverie at the end where they kind of look back at, you know, you know, kind of like their, their version, of, like their version of like 4th of July, you know, like the looking back towards not necessarily their independence, but like then kind of coming together um, in a kind of an armistice kind of way. Um, but ultimately what's, uh, what's determined is that she didn't kill her. She didn't get murdered. She in fact was, is all entirely staged. Um, and it was staged with the help of Jack um, because they, Jack as apparently is not a particularly good with money or good with ideas. And so he wanted to get in on uh, kind of like the dot-com movement, but this is after the dot-com bubble had already burst. So they took a bunch of money um, from Bluebeer from the dowry to invest in Jack's scheme, but that fell through. And so they lost a lot of money. And so because they didn't want Bluebeard like, kind of coming after the capture and she didn't want to marry Bluebeard, they like faked her death. Um, all in the very end ended up being kind of settled in a, in a fairly equitable way. So Bluebeard, because he, he also broke the contract by letting um, Bigby and Snow know about the marriage. So he like he got some money back from Jack, who uh, who was um, who won the like through an auction, won Prince Charming's lands and titles and then sold them back in sort of this weird convoluted way, like to wrap up the end. So no one actually ended up dying, which is different than the, um, the wolf among us. And so that's basically the story. Um, I gotta say that, like, I liked it. Um, I definitely like fables, but I honestly, I, I like the story of the wolf among us better because it had greater stakes. 
Um, this one, I, I had a feeling the whole time this was just sort of like her faking her death. Like, it just feels like it the whole time. Whereas in, you know, The Wolf Among Us, there was like people actually dying. There were heads rolling. There was like dead bodies and stuff. And so it was a far more serious thing. Whereas this, I don't know, it felt like a little bit like a like a sitcom where at the end of the episode, despite all of the conflict and bad things that happened throughout, it all kind of worked out in the end, which was kind of, eh, I thought it could have gone a little bit better than that. Uh, I still like Bigby. Bigby is is a very good character. He's takes on the kind of gruff uh, New York cop with a little bit of like old school crime noir with him, kind of always wearing the trench coat, always smoking. Um, there's a little bit of like a very subtle kind of will they won't they romance uh, under undertones to Snow into to Bigby, um, especially when they go to the ball at the end together. But ultimately, it's pretty solid. I'm very curious about the second one. Um, so I might end up reading it because the second one is about uh, the farm, but it seems to be about Goldilocks. I think she takes a main stage and like the three bears, which would kind of disappoint me because I really do like Bigby um, as a centerpiece. But I remember that in the game, like the, the farm was sort of referred to in a fairly negative way. Like, and it always felt very sinister, like there was something really sinister going on. So I was always kind of curious if that's something we we're ever going to explore. So I'm tempted to read the second, uh, but I don't know. Like you mentioned that you didn't really like the second as much. As the, well, uh, I will first. say that Big B is the focal character of the entire thing, no matter what. He's oh, okay. Like, okay. I was just so reading the description up on Comicsology, and it seemed like something, something else. Big B's going to be throughout because he's your your main guy. It's what I find really interesting. So, if you had not seen Wolf Among Us, I think maybe your idea would have been skewed a little bit more differently. Because Wolf Among That's Us, very fair, absolutely. Because Wolf Among Us also has you participating in the discussion and participating in the decisions that you make. To, to some degree, but like I think Telltale Games, really, there's choice, but there's not for particularly difficult choice. I just really like the story, and I like the setting. Um, so I don't think the participation in it really mattered. But I do. I definitely agree that me having experienced that story first and having spirited it years ago, and, and I do consider it one of my favorite games, that certainly gives me a prejudice coming into this one for sure. Yeah. But uh I like like for me it, it goes it, I think it's over they've created like branches from it. Like there's different types of uh lines that come from it. There's stuff about red and stuff about uh snow white and stuff like that. But like little things about it I really like is that the fact that, like Big B kind of has a a debt with the pig because he has, he killed his other brothers, you know, and like he has. Did he kill history. his other brothers? I couldn't get that sense because it because in some of the, like the montage um, cells when they were talking about the adversary, it actually looked like it was the adversary's people that killed the pigs. So like the the idea is is that Big B is both the big bad wolf from the Three Little Pigs and from Little Red Riding Hood, and from Red like, yeah, for sure, and like he. Once had a very, very terrible past where he did some awful stuff, but since he's come over to this new world, he kind of reinvented himself. He still has these like prejudices against him because, like he says, sees in the comic book, he can sometimes go back to being that big bad wolf. And uh, I think it's a really cool character flaw with him that he was an awful, awful person and now he's trying to kind of save those who he once was trying to hunt before, which I think is really interesting. And that's what I really like about the story. I'm not convinced that Big B killed the other, the other pigs. I'm really not because like they actually had a conversation and they really only talked about him knocking his straws down. I feel like, I don't know. 
like I don't I, I mean maybe that's true and maybe that's like covered in future and in, in, in future comics but I don't really think that's actually I thought it's when I was that I might be wrong so it it wasn't in I don't think it was ever directly stated I mean it's certainly possible but I also feel like it doesn't really make sense why would it be the pig that had the straw house that he knows and not the one that had the brick house you would think you the one in like if you think about the actual fairy tale it would have been the the straw and what this what's the, what's the other one sticks I can't remember the brick would have said but yeah, like it's. I think it's really interesting too, where it's like you really want to know what happened with the adversary, what it was like there before. So like when you get further in the comics, they do more of like the exploration of those people in the past, while also building their characters now in this current state, which I think it's a really interesting story. And like, I think I believe it came out in 06. I just um, I was actually just looking that up too. Um, the one that I read, so Legends and Exiles, two thousand three. So okay. this is 15 years old. So and the digital one didn't come out till till 2013. The thing that sucks about this is um, basically ABC ruined any chance of this show ever being made because of that stupid show once, a once upon a time show uh, with the. Uh, you mean the once upon a time show that is still going on? Uh, is strong. it still going on? It's still going on. It came out the same year as Grimm. Uh, it was on NBC, and I had a we had a pick between which one we wanted to watch because like they you looked picked, interesting. You picked the right one, you and picked I picked Grim, right. and I really and we loved Grim. Like Grim was such a good show, and I miss it that it's gone this year. But I never actually watched Once Upon a Time, so I can't say it's bad. Once Upon a Time it. is garbage, gutter trash, and basically it stole the idea of this book, where it's like there was once a world where fairy tales existed, and now they have crossed over into our world. And all once was about was about like uh, Snow White and the uh, Melifes and all of them had this world over there and they came over to our world. Things are different. It's terrible. And because of that awful TV show, this will probably never be made into an actual TV show because this is a basically because a lot of this stuff is royalty free because these stories are really, really old. Like Snow White's royalty free because they're like 70. I think the cutoffs like 80 years or something after 80 years. It's up for normal anyone can use the information for whatever they want so like it's interesting that i really want to see this stuff happen i want to see a big b but that show on abc ruined everything and that's one reason why i hate that show even more because i'm like because of you fables it's never going to happen so anyways i like fables oh no i very much enjoyed it and I'm, i am thinking about getting the second and especially now that you said that big b is the vocal character like uh, that might lead me in like snow white i assume too is is fairly prominent yeah and it's always a constantly yeah. uh, sam and diane type of thing anyways so you ready for your questions yes let's do it first question who is snow white's assistant so there are a couple people who work, but like, are you talking about Blue Boy? Because Blue Boy was the one, that, but she also had Buffkin, who was like the flying wing monkey guy. So okay. and there was Grimble, so, who was a security. Who is so Blue Boy? I believe is her assistant. Who is Blue Boy? In the, fa- in the fairy tale world. What do, What do you mean? As a fairy tale, who is Blue Boy? Oh, like from the actual yeah thing. Okay, well. I'm first going to say that that's a ridiculous question because it's not relevant to what went down in the comic. And so it, it, it's, it's unfair, but, uh, but uh, you can go suck it. Cause I have, I don't really know. I'm, I, I have no idea. I'd be could inferred pretty well. It's probably little boy blue. I'd be who. Oh be. yeah. I mean, I, I suppose, yeah. but I'll give it to you. It's fine. Well, you should, because I answered the question. All right, so name the cereal 
that King Cole was eating when he was sucking the Snow White. Oh, Very yeah. Prominent. I actually did look at this. Very I prominent. saw this. Yeah. What the, it was like a really like like sugary cereal, too. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. I, I, I remember it, though. Um, it like I don't know. Was it marshmallow something? No, it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't Lucky Charms. It was. I don't want to say it because you got me last week with this. Is it lucky? No, it wasn't Lucky Charms. Was it? No, it wasn't Frosted Flakes. It's not. It's not a brand like that we know. I don't know. I don't remember. It was Crunch Monkey. He was eating. Okay, Crunch yeah. Monkey. Yeah, that's kind of weird considering how they have a monkey flying around. Yeah, What's that's why I thought it was extra weird. I'm like, you got a flying monkey and he's eating Crunch Monkeys. Anyways, can you you yeah. name the CD? That was splattered with blood all over the floor because there was multiple cells that showed this one prominent CD covered in blood all over the floor. So this is why I picked this one. Name of the CD. I'm going to say no, because the, the question you asked me was, can I do it? And so the answer is no. <laughs> so, technicality. That's getting outplayed. That's, that's what's called getting outplayed. Sometimes. All right. So let's try this again. Name the CD. Is this a new question? No, same is question. Because it seems like it's a new question. I feel like I answered the question, same question. That you asked. Same question. And this feels no, it's I don't think it's the same question. I feel like don't I don't win the this point. one, Jeffrey. I feel like I should get the one point that you know that you asked. Like if you want to ask another one, that's totally fine. But I still feel like I should technically You can't whistle your way out of this one, Jeffrey. I feel like I should get credit for this. I don't know. I feel like I feel like Man, I, should, we, I feel like we should go to the judges on this. Judges? Uh, the judges seem to suggest uh, that, that no. I my judges get... are saying that no. My no. My judges. I'm pretty no. sure that I should get credit for this. It feels uh, a little. Sorry. It feels a little un. It, this isn't. I don't know if I agree with this, sir. Well, I don't know sorry. if I agree. I'm sorry, because the judges uh, are saying. I'm going to go ahead and just officially give myself one extra point <laughs> because this one extra point could be the difference between me getting a better actually wait i've gotten how many have i gotten right so far i've gotten one right, yeah, one right. so yeah i'm gonna have to go ahead and take let me let me let me tell you this last question uh you're not gonna need this extra point you're gonna win if if this last question okay so uh so name the cd okay, name cd justin uh-huh it was crisis and love songs it was cruising love songs it wasn't Crisis in Love, but that was Crisis in Love. Cruising Love Songs. I'm going to go look it up. I'm going to look at it right now. Okay, you're right. You're right. It's Cruising <laughs> Love Songs. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. All right. I thought it was Crisis in Love. My bad. Cruising Love Songs. But I did get in Love Songs. And so as we established no, 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 no. during your no, quiz, no, 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 no. that I am taking away, I'm taking away the point, the, the partial credit I gave you for the Damien Hirstskull answer. The partial credit I gave you for the Vivaldi. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, we'll do that. We'll say we get you get. That's what I thought. Point three three. Yeah, point three. What? What? That doesn't make any sense. The only thing I got wrong was cruising. I got love songs. I got love songs. Point six six six. Point six six. I'll give you that. Point six. We're in agreement. We're good. Plus the one point from the from the. No, 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 no. That one doesn't exist. That one does not exist. Point six six. All right. Okay. Last question. <laughs> this is what happens when I speed read through comics. I don't. I'm like crisis in love. I've never heard that before. Are I'm looking, at it. I'm looking at it right now. The 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 U is far more prominent than I remember. Yeah. Okay. All right. So finally, are Big B and Snow White just colleagues? 
Are there going to be something more? Uh, no, they're more than that. They're uh, they're a little. Uh, I mean, they're the lo- they're the love story, right? Isn't that, isn't that what they are? Like, so I'm gonna say yes. They are more than just colleagues. My answer was, I hope not. I felt like she looked different in the first uh, issue than she did in the second. Like they changed the way she looked. And I like this scene where he was prancing around in his like uh, his underwear. Like it was pretty funny. Yeah, I think the art's pretty good, and it's pretty old. So like the trade I have has like the old paper too, which makes it seem a little bit nostalgic. I enjoy it. Um, it's a really cool comic. I also just keep reading it. The only reason why I didn't keep reading it at the time after the second issue was because that was when I was in my real big comic problem phase where I was reading so much I didn't have time for fables anymore. I'd probably right. pick it up and get back to it again if I really want to. But I know that there's a definitive end so far. All right. You ready for new challenges? Yay. All right. Go ahead. You start. So this one is another gift. And it's going to cost a little bit. Okay. But uh, the good thing about it, because we're going to have next week off because of Thanksgiving, is that mm-hmm. we're going to have some time to do it. Uh, and it's $10 on Steam right now. Uh, Undertale. Um, I don't know if you have this yet. I might have it. I have so many games that I've never played. But Undertale uh, is supposed to be unbelievably fun. So, uh, and it's like old, like SNES or NES graphics and stuff like that. So it should be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm totally familiar with the game. I just don't know if I have it. So Undertale, it's on Steam, 10 bucks. And we have plenty of time. All right, we'll try. We're pretty terrible about doing the video game stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we'll try. It's single player. Okay. I don't think you can do a multiplayer. Justin, I'm... Uh... I almost feel bad for what I'm about to do to you. Come on. Because <laughs> that's a pretty cool challenge. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, you know how we've got the holiday season coming up. No. It's a time for giving and no. it's a time for you know really thinking and reflecting back on the year and, and your friends, your family, who's important to you. Mm-hmm. It's also a time... For Hallmark Christmas movies. No! <laughs> Christmas! <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the next month of your life. So, first up, you're going to have to get your DVR ready because this is going to premiere next Friday Son of a bitch. on the Hallmark Channel, November 23rd, which is my mama's birthday. Uh, it's called Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe. <laughs> No, she did this. Didn't she? she did this. No, no, it's so funny. I've had this plan for like a good two months, but then she sh- she sent me a message on uh on Facebook and she said I should do this. I'm like, way ahead of you. We were on the same. We're we're thinking the same thing. So we're gonna have a couple weeks off because it's gonna take some time for me to file these divorce papers and everything. So, <laughs> sure. Sure. But this yeah. one's got Lacey Chabert and Brendan Penny. Well, he didn't say Brendan Penny. I'm yeah, excited. Yeah. yeah. I don't. He looks like somebody from a Joseph A. Bank catalog. That's what he looks like. Yeah. They all look like someone from a Joseph A. Bank catalog. So Darcy has always worked hard to prove herself and be successful in her own terms, even choosing to start her own company rather than work for her father. Returning to her hometown for Christmas, Darcy reconnects with an old rival, restaurant owner Luke. That's Brandon. Brendan Penny, and they are forced to plan a charity event together. What do you think's gonna happen? All right, so we are we're gonna close this episode down by saying if you like what you're hearing, uh, maybe give us a little, little 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 rating up on the old iTunes or the Stitcher or the 
or the other places that you get this, wherever it might be, uh, that'd be nice. Uh, but you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm usually running that thing. That's at Co. You can find us online, lollygaggerco.com. You can also get our episodes there. Uh, Justin does some Twitch streaming, but he's looked, I don't think he's going to be doing that for the next week or so because, uh, because of the holiday, right? Plus, uh, I always say that every time, too, so put that on there, too. So. Yeah. Oh, God. You just can't. I, uh, Twitch.tv right. slash Jehufo. And that's it. That That's it. So, uh, yeah, go uh, uh, like, subscribe, rate, review, uh, send us an Amazon gift card. I don't know. I don't know where that last one came from. But, uh, yeah. See ya.